Welcome to Simple Truth, the teaching ministry of Pastor Eddie Turner and Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Through the practical and simple explanation of God's Word, Pastor Eddie has taught the Word of God to thousands of people around the world. The following message is from a recent service at Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Let's join Pastor Eddie as he shares simple truths from God's Word. While a pastor and Amanda are away, he asked me to speak, so hopefully for you this is a good thing, and if not, it's just for a week, so you should be okay, all right? So I just want to make that clear. I usually speak to youth, so with adults, it's a little bit of a different feel just because there's a bit more gray, um, a bit more, bit more missing at the top, but it's fine, it's fine. You know, like, we'll, we'll roll with it, it'll all be good, but... Uh, just really am thrilled to, uh, to, to be a part of what God is doing here. And uh, for us, the last little more than two and a half years, we've just seen God just do some great things with our youth and just seeing just some, some really neat things occur. One thing that really was neat for us is uh, um, in, in the fall of 2016, we, bat- we baptized two kids that let us know that they would want to be. And so while they were being baptized, uh, bat- Baptized, or I just say, you know, getting dunked in the dunk tank real fast. Um, I asked some teens if they would want to as well, and we had seven respond just on the fly, like, let's go. Like, I'm ready to make the move. So we had nine in one night. I was just so thrilled about that and just what God is doing. And, um, you know, it's just been a joy. But you, you, one thing that I just want to share with today is uh, with sticky faith and just how do we ensure that our teen's faith sticks in the long term. If you are a parent, well, wouldn't you agree that's a bit of a concern, right? That they might be saved now, but you've seen the stats and you've seen kind of the way that our world is going, that it gets a little shaky at times. And I'm not going to lie, in the last about six years of being in youth world, uh, we've seen some teens leave the faith. Uh, and it breaks your heart. But we've also seen some teens just r- really engage with God. And even throughout those years where it gets a, li- a little bit shaky, they seem to s- stick it out. And why is that? Well, I want to look at that a bit today and just ca- kind of take some time to look at the changing lan- landscape overall. Um, this year in May, we will have some more of our, of our, our teens get done with high school, which means they put on that weird hat, right? A gown of dress and, uh, they walk across the stage and it's really just kind of that weird time, but it's so neat. Even with the square hats on, it's just something about it just feels so neat. Well, we'll, we'll have in May another class walk. And for me, that is a big deal this year because it marks 10 years 10 years since I walked from high school. Now, I know, I know, you're thinking, oh my Lord, he is so old. (laughs) I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm feeling old as well. Um, And in fact, I'm going a bit gray, uh, thanks to you and your kids. Uh, I wasn't gray until I came here. Just saying. But um, it's a big deal because it's marked 10 years since I walked across the stage. I was 17, and I just had big dreams in my heart of what God might do. I was praying that the rapture of the ch- church would not occur until I got married. Amen. 
Amen. And so, uh, you know, just really trying to work through uh, those 10 years, we've seen that a lot has changed in our world. A lot has changed. In fact, I want us to look at a few businesses that did not, was not around 10 years ago. Airbnb and Uber. Now, why in the world are they named that? I have no idea, but those have not been around for more than 10 years. Snapchat, Instagram, Fitbit, Spotify, and anyone know what that is? All of our youngins. Yes, let's go. Um, Hulu, which is essentially like an online DVR service. Pinterest, which is ma- is making girls in- insecure all around the world because um, they see what they cannot attain on their own. In fact, have you seen those? Uh, ha- have you seen those fails? where there's like that cake and they try to remake the cake and it just looks like the cake is quite deformed and mom has no idea what she's up to. It's always fun. And Dropbox, these did not occur 10, these were not around 10 years ago. And really just within my own world, a a a lot of things has changed over the last 10 years. In fact, the iPhone this year turns 10. It turns 10 this year, which the iPhone 8, can I get it? Can I go for it? No. All right. Uh, she, she, she's still on the 5S and wants an up- upgrade, so I guess I'll have to give up on my hopes and dreams. But it turns 10 this year, and that's absolutely unreal. And the one thing that we need to know and one thing just to kind of help us throughout is we need to have an, in an ever changing world. We need our ever-present God to guide guide us through through these times. And in an ever-changing world, we need our ever-present, unchanging God to help us throughout these times. And I thank God for his word because his word helps us uh, know what is right and wrong and how to live our life. Even as the world will change, his word does not change. Now, how it's applied might change, but his word, the truth, does not change. And that's one, one thing, especially in the last few, few, few years, we have found that not a lot, a lot of folks are concerned with tr- truth unless it's fake news. And then they're very concerned about truth. But the truth is this, is that in his word, it's true. It's true. And how it applies to us. Now, back when Christ was on the earth and, and, and God's word, how it was applied then and apply, applied now is different. And we'll see it here in a few. But as we look at his word re, re, real fast, if you could turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 8. And it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all, all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your kids. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door, the door frames of your homes and on your gates. Verse 9 specifically gives us the key to look at Pinterest more. Put it on your house. Door, you could laugh more, but that's okay. 
And so as we look at this verse, the, the, the one thing I like as we look at verse 7 a bit more, it says, impress them on your kids. And the one thing that we must note as we start this out is you cannot impress what you do not possess. As we look to instill a faith that, that lasts the long term in our kids, we must first look at ourselves and ask ourselves, do we have something that we can pass on? Or do we just show up? Now, hey, if you're here and, you're, and you aren't there, there yet, welcome to the club. We've never, we, we won't arrive. Amen. We won't reach a point where we do not need to grow. And if you've reached that point in your life, I pray that God would open up your eyes to how sinful we all are. And that we all are in need of God to help us grow. But we cannot impress what we do not Possess, And as we discuss about faith and how we need to uh, pass it uh, along, we need to also look at our youth uh, culture overall. Now, in this room, I have some of my youth, and I wonder how they feel now because I'm about to show a bit of your world. But here's the deal. Our world and and their world has changed a lot. In fact, as we look at some stats, we can find that 50% of teens, when they grad, grad, graduate from high school, they also grad, graduate from the faith. 50%. Some will say it's more, but they're wrong. It's about 50%. And eight out of 10 of those that left the faith didn't mean to. Think about that. It's not that they want to leave. It's not that like, oh, thank God, now I'm done with youth. Now I can go live my life. It's more of the fact of they didn't know how to implement a few things in their life. Which means this, if you showed up to reach on a Wednesday night and we have a nice crowd in there, you could take our room and split it in half. Half of those would stay in the faith, half, half of those would not. And really, my job and my roles, I oversee all, all of the youth, that makes me scared. It makes me scared because I understand that the days are few and the time that, that we have is not long enough and we don't have enough time at times to instill a lifelong faith, which means that I need you guys to help and you need my help and we all need to be a part of this. But 50% of teens leave the faith. Now, if we d- dug into that a bit, a bit more, they would say that in about 10 years, they come back. What occurs in 10 years? Kids. Kids. They give birth to a little uh, sinning kid, and they don't know what to do with them, so they pass them along to kids' church. (laughs) And those of you who laughed, laughed because you did the same thing. (laughs) And that's okay. Our cultural norms. We we begun to adopt the gospel of sin management. We re, we really don't want to change. We don't really want to live a life that would please God. In fact, we just want to know what we can get away with, and not how to actually live a, a life that's a relationship where we understand what we do wrong affects our walk with Him. And here's the deal. It starts with us as adults, and it's being picked up on by our teens. They're really not as concerned about how does God want me to live. In fact, they just say, what can I do and still get away with it? 
Listen, I've been, I've been a teen. I get that. I've been there. But we need to do a better job. There's a, a, another uh, norm back in uh, 05 uh, at Duke Univer- University, Christian Smith found that our teens are moralistic, therapeutic deists. Now that makes me sound super smart and very confused all at once, which really what they found is that teens adopt a view of whatever feels good is God. Whatever feels good is God. Now this was back in 05, and I think even in the last five to ten years, we found that that's increased in our world where it's really, again, not about how can I submit myself to what God has and whatever he asks of me, I'll do. Instead, it's more of, God, what can I get away with and still be in relationship with you? Well, that's the wrong thing to ask. It's the wrong thing to ask. But we have found that this has occurred in our world. We've also found that their faith, our youth's faith, it's becoming increasingly shallow. And it's not sticking long term. They have a faith, but it's not, very, it's, not, it's not deep. In fact, it won't last. When life comes and when life hits, quickly that small well of info and of spiritualness begins to die out. Now, whose fault is this? And so here's what can occur. Because I work with youth, uh, a lot of folks can say, well, it's your fault. You don't do enough. You don't preach enough. They have too, they have too much fun. They, they, they aren't being taught God's word. And then guys like me can look at you and say, it's your fault. Sports has become more important than church. School stuff has become more important than church. And if you would actually show up, then your kids might be saved. That's what can occur, right? What occurs is we start to throw things at each other instead of saying, listen, it's our fault. It's our fault. It's our fault where we say, entertain my kids or else they won't, they won't come because it's boring. On our side, we can say, well, bring them to church, but yet not every time they come to church, we have something worth to actually give them. And see, what can occur is we can just begin to fight and the swirl can occur. But really, the truth is it's our our fault. As the church, we have let some things fall. And we must recall this, that our faith, if it's not passed on well, it will not last. Our faith is always one generation away from going extinct. And if we don't do our part to pass it along, then we won't have a world in which we would want to be in. And it's tough. It's tough. Listen, the only kid I have is my dog, and it's hard. (laughs) Brinkley is a pain. I cannot imagine having an actual kid. But we're all to blame. As we look at this verse of Scripture, we, we, we find, as Paul, as, as Paul says, encourage the young men and women to be self-controlled in everything. Set them and what? Example by doing what is good. Let's look at that verse again. Verse 7. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. We must know that our kids, our teens, look first upward before they look out, outward. They first look at what's going on in the home 
to see if the faith has really impacted their parents' life before they'll believe it'll impact theirs. See, what I tell our teens is this, is look, maybe why your friends don't want to come to faith or learn more about guys, they haven't seen it change you first. And yet at times as adults, we can say our teens may, may, may not want the faith we have because it hasn't yet changed us. Can I just say, if you're here and you're in that spot, that's okay. That's why you're here. It's to grow and learn. It's more than just, sing, just to sing songs and to watch things on, on, on the screen. It's really to grow. And my heart is this. I pray that you would see my heart in this is not to talk down, but it's us. We got to step it up a bit. And my prayer is that that stat of 50% would go down in our group. That it would go down. Because that's the things that I just hate reading about. And that's a thought in my mind. Every Wednesday night is only only half of them will, will stick this thing out. We have to improve. One big way that we can't, we can't, we can't improve is to be open with our kids. Be open. As we look again at that verse we first looked at in verse 7, it says, impress them on your kids. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road or when you drive to the next event. Talk about your faith when you lie down and when you get up. We need to begin to have more conversations about the difficult aspects of our faith and our world. We need to begin to have difficult talks with our teens. And I know it's hard. I, I, I know it's hard. L- l- listen, I get asked a lot of very tough things from teens. And in fact, when I go to have lunch at some of the high schools, you can always tell which teens are receptive and which teens could care less that you're there. I have some that talk to me and I have some that wish I would just leave. I have some that drop certain words that should not be said. And then they find out what I do. And then they act like, oh my gosh, I just swore in front, in front of the Pope. I'm like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. We have teens that watch shows that they should not watch. Going to see films they should not watch. And listen, I'm not the old school type where how dare we watch anything that's unsaved. But if you're not going to have a conversation about it and not talk, talk, talk about there's some things you just don't need to let in, then we really need to relook at some things. We need to teach and model what it looks like to trust Jesus no matter what the season or circumstance is. In fact, I, I believe your kids need to see you struggle with your faith a bit. Because here's what occurs as teens go through this, but mom and dad or myself, we're, we're, it's, it's all good. I trust in him. We'll be okay. Instead of saying, yeah, this is bad. Let, let's pray. Here's what it looks like to have faith. Here's what it looks like to trust him more. We need to be in a spot as parents and caring adults where we say, look, look at how I follow him and you do the same. We need to get to that point. And we need to have some of those difficult talks with our teens. 
We need to develop a safe place for our students to process and grow. You, you know, a, a, pow, a powerful tool on many remotes today is a pause button. Do you have this little pause button? We just got a, a basic cable thing this year because it actually saved us cash. I don't understand how that works with the Comcast and all of them. Aren't they a joy? Don't you just love them? Man, go them. Well, now we, we can pause shows, which I've never had before. Like, in, like since we've been married, never had. We always had a small little dish in our house. Got it set up just right. You know, when storms came, some, some things we couldn't watch because it just kind of would flash in and out. And you're just like, okay, this is like a very scary move, uh, movie. Let's turn, you know, I'm getting scared. But we can hit pause. And I don't know if you've watched the same TV that I do, but you know, around the Super Bowl, there's some um, commercials that come on that are little less than. Have you seen? Have you seen these, or are are you more saved than me? Because um, I've seen them. You know, there's a time to turn it off, and there's a time to hit pause. Could I just say at times you might want to hit, hit pause and have a faith talk about why we don't entertain that or why we don't allow that on our screens or why we need to watch out what we allow to come in to our lives. When tough stuff occurs at the schools, instead of just to say, well, yeah, that's tough. Let's go get an ice cream cone. Instead, you're saying, hey, look, let's talk this through. Our teens are facing really real things every day. In fact, there's a lot of our, our, our teens that, all, that already know loss because unfortunately a peer chose to end, end their life too soon. They already know heartbreak because they opened themselves up to love and it didn't work out. They felt the pain of rejection because they may have asked someone to a dance or try or tried out for a part in the school play and didn't get the role that they hoped for. I've been there. I'm going to tell myself. It was the eighth grade year. I don't know if you know this or not, but I was really just a strong kid. I was like four foot ten, and um, I was just very tall. I was ripped. Um, I filled out my shirts real well because I was just so strong. And I asked a girl to a dance, a St. Patrick's Day dance, eighth grade year. And she said yes. And then she said no. Story of my life. So I had a different friend out of guilt. This girl said, all right, you can go with me. Well, that was cool, but she was like almost six foot tall. So, you know, that was just an awkward dance as, as they can get. But, you know, that hurt to, to have someone say yes and then no. It hurt. And sometimes our teens, they need a safe place. And can I just say this as well? That safe place may not always be just with you. It might be with some of our team, our youth staff as well. And we'll get, we'll get to that more in a, in a few, but we have to understand that our teens are going through really real things. And we can say, well, they're tough. They're tough. It's not that hard. Or, you know, that's not real love. But to them, it is. That's all that they've known. That's the, that's the first time they may have opened up their heart or opened themselves up. And then to get rejected can hurt. It can hurt. So we need to create a safe place for them. 
and it's not really about with these things, with films and other things like that. I'm not saying, well, let's just watch every movie there is and then to discuss the faith parts. But, but there might be a time where you allow them to um, see and to watch a show through and then talk about what it is about that show that, that God would not have for us. There's a lot of shows out like um, Stranger Things. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this. Who's seen that show? All of our teens and young adults. So this might not pass, but it's a show about like sixth through eighth graders. And they're having to pro- like go through some things in life. And you know, it might be some open doors for you to begin to discuss. Hey, like in this show, have you ever dealt with that as well? Or like a situation where you, had, where you were being picked on or bullied? Although I was four foot ten, I still got picked on. You know, I'm super confused. Like, who would make fun of me? Really? But yet, I know what that's like. And so there's times at at which I see some of our teens going through the same things. And we can have a talk about what that is. uh, it's, It's really not about sheltering them more, but helping them engage their world with what's true. It's to help them engage their world with what's true because they have friends that are not living for Christ at all. And if we don't help them sort out and talk through their faith, well, then when they meet it in schools, they won't know how to explain what they know is true, but it may not go from their heart to their mouth. It may not go to that point where they can explain. And another difficult part as well in their faith that we need to look at as well is the transitions times. When they go from fifth grade into sixth grade and when they go from 12th grade into young adulthood. Now, without um, going in this too fast, the, the, the one thing for us to know is that these times where they move between grades is tough as well. And really, when they go from fifth grade to sixth grade, that's a huge change. It's a huge change. They go to a new, a new school, and in fact, I think in, in sixth through eighth grade, they're exposed to more junk than they are in high school because it's all new. It's all new stuff to them. But um, as we look at this, let, let's look real fast at Philippians 1.6. Just one thing for us to thank and pray about, just some truth for us to know, that being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of, of Christ. That for us sometimes we need to know that as they're, go, they're going through these times of change, that we need to trust God that he will see them through. He'll see them through. It might get a little shaky at times, but he will see them through. One thing that we do here that was new to me when I first came was we have our 6.8, which is going on right now. It's a service uh, just for them, for our 6th through 8th graders, and it occurs twice on Sundays. And part part of the heart of why we have that and we've amped that up is is, is why. Because for them to go from kids' church into here is a big jump. It's a big jump. When they're around a lot more gray and older folks, love you guys. It's a big jump. And so we provide a space for them so that they can grow. We have a lot of uh, young adults on our youth staff team. 
because they can help engage in relationships with our high schoolers that are about to leave and transition out of the home. And, and for us, a bunch of them have made their fair share of mistakes along, along the way, but can help them as they work th- through this. And so I just want to look real fast at a few needs that our young adults have, uh, but I think it's true across the board. But just one thing that we have found is um, there's a few key things that they need. Every young adult needs friendships. They need friends. Uh, they, they, they need to find a church for our teens that are about to walk across that stage and then they're going they're to go to a new state. Um, heads up, they, they need to find a church in that new state. And if we don't help them and help develop a plan with them, then that's a big way that their faith will fall through. Um, I went from Utah, great state of Utah, to school down in Texas. And it was great. If you're, who's ever been there to, to Texas? Who knows that they're proud of themselves? It's annoying until you're there and they're like, yes, go us. Like, wait, I've been here for a week, you know, like it's a bit strange. But even though I was going to Bible school, I still had to find a church. And actually at our school, you had to sign out on Sundays to show that you went to a church. And sometimes your RA would say, all right, I need proof that you went to church. Because some of my peers, you know, they're, they're going to preach and they're going to be involved in a church, but yet they don't want to go to church. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. So I found a small little uh, church plant because it just, it felt, it felt neat. Ground floor. But more of that, it was a place where I was known. And if I missed, they could tell because there was five in the crowd and 15 on the stage. And so if there's down to four in the crowd, it's not hard for them to go, Brian's missing. But they need to find friendships that'll help them grow to find a church and to develop a two-week plan for when they leave home. A two-week plan, what does that mean? Uh, Find a church. Find some good friends and go to class. That's a good two-week plan. You might want them to know how works. Money works. It's not an infinite supply. Amen. Although I wish there was that that one tree in our yard that just grew bills. It does not. The only bills I, I get are the ones I have to pay. Just saying. But we need to help them develop this plan for our church. Parents, we need to trust God with our kids. We need to let them know of our unconditional love. And we need to help prepare, prepare them for what's next. Let me hit on that first one. We need to trust God. One thing we need to instill in our teens to help their faith last is to learn to trust God no matter what. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's learning how to engage in this relationship with an all-knowing, all-caring God. But at times our world could care less about him and things come up against us, right? And we have to learn to help them trust God. But first it needs to start with us. I've seen enough classes of kids move through where I've had to just learn to trust God with their 
journey, their steps after. Because it's, it's tough. I went to a Bible school and it was hard. Bible school. That should be like camp all day, but it's not. You have a bunch of kids who love to sin there, then they don't want to get caught. So we need to learn to trust him with our kids. And can I just say that's a spot where we can all grow is to learn to trust him with the most precious gift he's given us, which is your kids. And to say, Lord, like as they leave for school, Lord, I trust you that you love them more than I do. You know them more than I do. You can care for them better than I can. And so we give them to you again. We need to learn that. We need them to know of our unconditional love. Guess what? They're going to make mistakes. I don't know if you ever did as a young adult, but I'm pretty sure we've all made mistakes. But that unconditional love where it's not a love if or a love because, but it's just I love you because I love you. And I don't care what you do. I don't care how many times you mess up. Just get back up and stay in pursuit of him. Our unconditional love. You know, I have to learn, learn that along the way with your teens all throughout their high school years. Some of them are punks, but I love them. I love them. I've had some get upset and yell at me cuss at me and I lay hands on them and just pray for them really good less Lord we've had kids act up at retreat and you're like this is retreat like this is not the time to sin this is the time to get saved like what's your deal but we deal with this right and we have to just have this love where it's not a love but based on how they perform but just that we love you because we love you. I actually had a um, caring adult in my life who was not my dad. In fact, I was kind of like the son he wished he had because he had all girls. My high school graduation gift from him was a gun. I was 17 with a gun. Think about that. Yes, Lord. I was at the school at Southwestern. And I received a box in the mail. They had a little little slip in my box saying you have like a big big box. Go to this one window and retrieve it. So I picked it up and it weighed about like a brick and a half. So I was like, okay, like hopefully this is, I'm allowed to have this on site. And I open it up. It was popcorn, Dr. Pepper, thank you, Lord, Transformers 2, and a, a, a card with cash. It was from an adult in our ch- church. And he sent me this box. You know, that, that felt like just love that it wasn't because I did anything. I was away at school. This was the guy who let me drive his Corvette one time. Yes, Lord. I want one now. I was 17. He let me drive his, cor- his Corvette. VH strength whipped back my neck in the seat. 
laughing. It was just the best day. But you know what it felt like was just someone who cared. Someone who cared. And we prepare our kids for school. Paul writes in Philippians chapter uh, 1, verses 9 to 10. He says this, and this is my prayer for us as well. My prayer is that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. His prayer for us and my prayer for you is that we would abound more and more in, in, in knowledge and depth of insight so that we may be able to discern what is best in this day and age and may be pure and and blameless until the day of Christ. Um, there's, we could go into the stats about um, online addiction and teens that are not living right and all those things. I, I, I don't really think it's worth our time except to address the heart of, of it is that we need to get caring adults and a church response back to love our kids. And uh, I work on Wednesday nights mostly in the other room. And I know it gets loud in there. And I know you see a lot of teens that act up and yell. um, But that should fill our hearts with joy. Because they're here. I have a a kid that I first met at, at the school as a freshman. And he accidentally dropped a massive swear word. In front, in front, I mean, didn't know who I was or that I was there, which I don't care. I'm like, just be you. You're unsaved. Act the way that you are. <laughs> He's now in the 11th grade and it has come for about a month now. He didn't come as a freshman or a sophomore, but something is drawing him in now. And at Jump Street, he mentioned something to me, kind of as a joke about the waivers. And he said, well, I don't have a dad, so you you can be mine and sign off on the form. And in a sentence, I learned more about this kid and why he is the way that he is in a sentence that I knew in the last three years. Listen, our teens are going through some really real stuff, some difficult things. And I pray that our response would be, um, would be right. And so as we look at our response, um, first off, I need you guys to pray. And I need you guys to encourage our, uh, our kids. I need you to pray and encourage our kids. Well, pray how? I'm going to invite up Nick real fast just to set the mood, make it feel a little extra saved. No pressure, Nick. Commit to pray. There are some kids I cannot reach unless the Lord draws them in. I just can't. I can go to lunch. I can go to games. I can go to plays. I can do all these things. But they may not show up. And they won't show up unless the Lord draws them in. We have some kids that just need an an encouraging word. Because they may have not heard one all week 
and their homes may not be in a spot where they receive the type of love that you would hope that they would. And I'm praying that this would become a safe place for our teens to be themselves. And if we see someone doing something right, we catch them and let them know that they did good. If we catch them doing wrong, we we encourage them to do right. You go to a game and you see some of your your kids friends and there's that one friend that you're like oh lord they hang out with them that's insight of how to pray that's insight of who to reach out to with love not this isn't to boast or brag but there's times i go to sports comp because i'm six foot two now or so and i you know i'm really good at basketball all of my whiteness just is so good up you know buckets all day I sometimes this is no lie I will yell out as I shoot Larry Bird and just shoot the ball I may have just I can hope right it's not a joke it's true but I see kids there and I ask myself where are the dads because they're there shooting hoops alone it breaks your heart there's a kid that can ball. He's about five foot nine, little overweight, but every time he throws that stinking ball up, it goes in. I'm like, what's your trick? Help me out. I'm white. Help me out. And I said, you should try out for your team. He's like, no, I'm, I'm not that good. I said, yeah, you are. He tried out. I don't know if he made it or not. I haven't seen him in a while but just the one you should try out. Filled him with the, I'm going to try out. Have some other teens there that are high schoolers with sleeves, tattoos. And I'm like, where's your shop, man? Hook me up. And they're going through some stuff and there's no dads there on the court. I'm the old man. I'm 27. I'm the old man on the court, and I love it. I foul extra hard because I'm old. I I can get away with it. But, you know, I pray for those kids. I go have lunch at the schools, and I see things that never would have occurred in my high school, and I pray. Sometimes I go the the long way to work to drive by a school and just pray, Lord, As we lift you up, would you draw all people into yourself? Lord, would you use our group? Our name now went from Crave to Reach, and that was because we really felt the Lord say, it's time to reach out. Be a spot where wherever we go, we will reach out. And I just pray as I pass by each school, Lord, would you draw them in? At Jump Street, we had more guests there room and time for us just to encourage them love them let them know there's at least one adult who cares and knows their their name so commit to pray and encourage also one thing commit to investing into one student that is not your own research has shown that if we get five caring adults around one kid their faith will stick or has a better likelihood to stick. We get five caring adults in their life. Five to one. And so you have 
someone like me. You have a a family friend. You have a coach. You have another adult in the church, maybe an an older person who just wants to just encourage and pray and love. And you find someone else that will just invest into your kid. And the temptation throughout this time, especially, is especially if you've already had kids or you have grandkids or great-grandkids, that's great. But your job's not done. And the church, we need you. We need you. And we'll commit to finding adults to help. That we'll commit to finding adults to help. As we look back at that first slide. And how we'll respond today is simple, but we'll just stand up in response to one of these. So if you would want to respond to pray, would would you stand with me? If you would commit to encourage a teen, even if they don't look good, say they look good. Would you commit to uh, investing into one kid that's not your own? And would you commit to finding other adults to help? See, the call for me when I um, was asked to speak, I just felt the Lord say, let's just get them on board. Let's get them on board. The need is great, but our God is greater. The need is great, but our God is greater. I refuse to believe stats that say that half of our teens at this church will leave the faith. No, they won't. No, they won't. Why? Because we commit to pray for them. We commit to encourage them. We commit to investing into them. Why? Because God cares for them. And if, if it's not you, then who? If it's not you, then who? God has called us not just to build the church and to build out the front and to make it look nice, but to build it from kids' ministry on up. That's why our church invests so much into kids and teens. Because it's not just an expense, it's an investment. We're investing. We're not just spending. We're investing into them because they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. And we believe God's best for them. So I'm going to end this with a time to pray. But I pray that it's more than just, well, that was nice. I'm going to go eat now. Save me some food because I need to eat in a few. But it's more of we're on board. So, Lord, you see us here. Lord, you see our hearts as a church. Lord, it's not just to be about ourselves, but, Lord, invest into the next generation that's on their way up. And, Lord, I know, Lord, within reach, there are kids that do not know you or, Lord, are wrestling with with what's true and with what's real. And so, Lord, we first, as a church, commit to pray. Lord, when we see that kid, when and, and our first response is, oh my gosh, what are they doing? Lord, let us know that that's insight for us to begin to pray for them, even if we don't know their name. Lord, that our, our kids' friends, as they come around the house, Lord, we would have an encouraging word for them and we would see the best and, and call it out. Lord, that, that we would commit to 
investing into other kids that aren't our own. Not, not because we need more to do, but Lord, because we know, God, that our call is to help bring them up and invest into them. Now, Lord, I pray for each school in this town. Father, we just ask as we lift you up, God, you would draw all of these kids unto yourself. Lord, I'm not saying into reach. Lord, I'm saying to you. And Lord, if you choose to use us, Lord, we just ask, God, that you would give us the tools, wisdom, and insight that we need, Lord, to reach these teens for you. Father, I pray for the kids, Lord, that are in homes that are broken. Lord, their story's not yet done. Lord, I pray that you would you would redeem and restore, Lord, whatever's going on in that home. Lord, we pray for those teens, Lord, that are down in the dumps, Lord, they have no self-worth, the lacking self-image. Lord, we, we pray that as they find their true identity in you, Father, things would change. They would see their worth because you came, lived, died for them, Lord, so that they can have life. Lord, you found worth, so Lord, help us find their worth. Lord, and we just commit, God, to finding other teens, Lord, just to invest into. Lord, from the most old in this room to the most young, Lord, we have wisdom and stories about how we had to learn to trust you. Lord, use our story to impact theirs. Use our our steps of faith to help their steps of faith. Lord, we give you thanks. Lord, you're a good God. You're good. And Lord, you desire good things for us. So Lord, I just pray that you would use us in this time. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Eddie Turner. Please join us at Family Worship Center, 3045 Memorial Boulevard, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, when you are in the Middle Tennessee area. You can also learn more about FWC at our website, www.familywc.com. Thank you again for listening to The Simple Truth.